All right, friends. Welcome, everyone, to our study on the book of Genesis here in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 11. Uh, this is Pastor Jung yet again as we continue on uh, with our study of um, Hagar and, you know, God's cutting of the covenant, God giving them the word. But now in Genesis 16, the light bulbs arise And they say, "Uh aha, we have a plan, and we think this will work. Yet, this is not the case. Let us begin. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Lord, we know that you are the the God of of great compassion, uh, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, that by your grace we are saved uh, through through the gift of Christ and, and the promise of the gospel. Lord, Bless us in your word as we study uh, right now uh, how uh, we are, yet how you are for us. Uh, Bless us in this word, knowing that you are the one true God who hears us in the midst of our affliction and answers us um, through your will. Lord, for all these things we are thankful. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, friends. uh, Thank you for joining me, however, whichever uh, which way you are listening to this, uh, may this go well with you. We have a lot to go on uh, with today. I have a, I think I have a visit in a little bit, so we really have to uh, get this going. Uh, 30 minutes or less, that's the goal right now. That's all the time I have today, 30 minutes. All right, so Genesis 16, 1 to 11. Uh, last week, we talked about the cutting of a covenant and uh, how uh, we see... Moses, or not Moses, sorry, Abram asking, O Lord, in verse 8 of chapter 15, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? The Lord gives him this tangible promise through the cutting of a covenant. And, and there they were to uh, do what? To trust in his word. Um, yet, as we, sorry, my pen is going to, I think it's not the best right now, and it's going to bother me, but let's just take a risk here. Um, uh, God gives them the word, and there they are to proceed by the word of God as they would, uh, uh, as he would have already led them thus far uh, by, by his grace and promise. Uh, but yet, as we see chapter 16, uh, the predicament from the human eye is still there, that Sarah is still childless, right? So after, after a time, um, um, still we are in this state of the Lord giving us the word uh, that we will, uh, Genesis 12, have a, a great nation. The Ostrom will be great from the, the, comparing to the dust and, and the grain and the sea and, and the stars in the sky. And as it was uh, very common in the time, especially when there was childlessness involved, the barren womb, uh, there would be a servant, let's say, that they would uh, go to and hear uh, to, to bear a child. And here we see the story of um, Hagar. And, and Hagar is uh, uh, g- described as the servant, but not just any servant, but a servant from Egypt, right? 
So in light of the, the, the issue of being childless, in the midst of the word that God has uh, given to them, they concoct a plan devising this really good or seemingly to their own <laughs> wisdom. Yeah, this is the plan. We're, we're going to have a child. If it's not me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be with, um, with Hagar. And, and there, uh, what happened? Uh, verse 2, as we read it right here. Um, and Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Again, this is the moment where, in retrospect, of course, and hindsight is twenty twenty, right? It's so real, right? Hindsight is twenty twenty. It's so easy to say, oh, why didn't they just do this? Right? It's like Adam and Eve. Why did they just do that? The Lord said, don't eat from that tree, but yet, why did they do it? Right? And right here, too. It's the moment where Abraham should have pumped the brakes and said, no, we are not going to do that. Right? But yet, uh, in this moment, what happens? Um, Sarah uh, tells him what to do. Right? Yes, go to my servant. Obtain a child with her, and Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. You know, it always gets us back uh, to Adam and Eve and the fall, and how much of a parallel this is, right? Um, you know, when, when Eve was, was, uh, was tempted, there, you know, Adam was not. He wasn't mysteriously not, not inside, and, and there uh, we see Sarah, or we see Eve, uh, you know, um, uh, hearing the words and, of great temptation. And, and likewise here, you know, when we talk about uh, Sarah, uh, this is where Abram, in his order of the household, should have said, no, we, we are going to listen to God's word. Uh, but rather, just like in the fall, um, Adam would also relent, and, and here Abram would also relent and say, okay, this sounds like a good idea. I mean, after all, um, you know, this is, uh, my wife is barren, and the Lord gave us these words, and, and, and therefore, uh, we need to figure this out. You know, on, you know, on one hand, though they were devising a plan, this took a lot, I think, for Sarah to say those words, too. I mean, Luther would, in Luther's works, uh, he would uh, really, really mention how how much of a big how how big of words these were to say uh to 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 give uh permission for hagar to be the child bearer right now this sounded like a good idea what were they to do of course aha right this is what they were to do they were to well that's an option right again um, when we talk about Genesis 2 and God's gift of marriage, um, this is all the disorder that's happening with the human nature. All right, verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. As we read right there together, if you have your Bible out. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into um, Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. 
It's a very little subtle description there, my friends, in the the reading about Sarah being Abram's wife. Now Sarah, verse 1, Abram's wife. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, verse 3, right? Um, And uh, here, uh, clearly, uh, we are to remember uh, who his wife is, yet how this disorder would uh, would be as they were devising their own human s- sinful plan. And the result was what? She had conceived, she was pregnant, but yet little did they know the fallout that was to come. It's like, you know, Adam and Eve again. They ate from the tree, they saw, right? They saw the tree, it looked good, they took, and they ate. Little did they know what was to happen next. Well, kind of they knew. The Lord said, uh, you will surely die. And the devil said, you will not surely die if you eat from this tree. You will be like God. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, here we see inevitably by human, uh, by human uh, intervention or by human uh, devising of this plan, uh, inevitable would this be is conflict. What happens there would be uh, in that latter part of verse 4, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Now, what is happening here? Hagar is now becoming what? There is a pridefulness here. There is arrogance there. Because, well, Ita says, if we are in Hagar's shoes, that, yes, um, I'm pregnant. I have the seed. That is of the promise of God. And you don't, Sarah. And here we see the conflict ensue. You know, Hagar, again, uh, in her human nature as well. I mean, it, we, we totally get it, right? Human nature says, yes, I'm, I'm better. I'm above because I have the promised seed or, or so we think. Or so they all thought, in the sense of, okay, we need a baby for this, this offspring, and, and we're childless, and we need this to get done. And, and now, from her standpoint, Hagar, it's like, yeah, that's right. Um, that's right, right? And, and now she's holding contempt against Sarah. Now, it's all crashing down. It's all unfolding in all the wrong ways. And here we see the fallout. Division within the household. The servant has become uh, in place of Sarah. We see that, again, all the... Don't you see what's happening here? All the disorder, right? Man trying to devise their own schemes in their own way. And man thinking this will end up well. But at the end of the day, no, it does not. Verse 5. All right. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. All right, so their plan didn't end well. But what was the next action? It is to blame. What happened in the fall, friends? See the parallel here? They blamed God. They blamed um, the serpent. um, and, And... And that's what happens in light of our sin. We start blaming one another. You know, in this order, when there is disorder, this is the fallout, friends. Uh, If we're not in the word of God, if we're not, uh, if our faith isn't in his word alone, 
What is the next step? It's human devising their own schemes in our own sinful nature, right? And to justify their actions, what does human, what do humans do? They blame the other person. They point the finger saying, your fault, your fault, your fault. When in fact, when you look in the mirror, it's like, well, I'm culpable too. Sarah was culpable. Abram was culpable. Even Hagar in her pride and arrogance was culpable. We, we see all, uh, and, and I love this. Luther, uh, when we talk about the, her contempt, uh, Luther would say, if Hagar, if Hagar had said, thanks to the kindness of God, I am pregnant, but this does not mean that I cease being a maid. Therefore, I shall obey my mistress just as I did in the past, and I shall do so all the more zealously now because I have become a mother at her wish and request. She did not begrudge me, her husband. Therefore, I in turn shall please her in whatever way I can. And that's what she should have said, right? But yet there was contempt involved and pride and arrogance would ensue. And now Sarah, with the fallout of all this, as it's blowing up in her face, in the face of Abraham as well, in the sense of, uh, of, of what they thought would be the best avenue, um, this was the next step to blame one another. So, uh, you know, y- you see what's happening here. What could have been if they just kept with a word? But through it all, actually we'll talk about that in a little bit, right? So again, uh, I think a good application here is um, really to humble ourselves before God, to see the word for what it is, to see the law, to see the mirror of reflection, the second use of the law, the third use of the law, uh, what we're called to do as Christians uh, according to God's word, but also the second use showing us our sin, showing us that uh, we are not worthy, that we need the grace of God, and therefore repent. Here in our sin, uh, what our nature is to justify ourselves and to say and to put blame on those around us, right? Um, And and this is what was happening here. All right. Um, As we continue on, verse 6, verse 6. Okay. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So the resolution was what? She dealt harshly with Hagar. Now again, uh, this was to happen. After all, this is the way she acted. Uh, they, they did not <laughs> know what to do in a sense of all this that was kind of crumbling before their midst. And now Abram's saying, you know, this is your servant. You do what you want with her. Right? So Hagar, who was in this pride and arrogant state, saying that she had this, uh, the, the seed, right? Uh, she had the baby in the womb. She... She was the one, the embodiment, or shows she thought of, of, of what was to come in God's promises. Uh, and in that arrogance, um, we see how Sarah would deal harshly with her. All to the point of her fleeing back to her homeland. Right? So we, we see the fallout of this household. The servant is gone. Sarah is aghast. She is, she is upset. Uh, there is conflict all throughout. You know, and, and it all goes back to the word. Right? Adam and Eve as well. It always goes back to the word. What did God say? 
But yet also, you know, when we talk about Adam and Eve, even in the midst of their sin, does God just leave them there? No, he, he gives them the proto-evangelium. He gives them the promise of the, of the gospel, Genesis 3.15, that from the offspring of a woman will come the angel of, will come the savior of the world. And speaking of the angel, the angel of the Lord, here we see in verses 7 to 8, um, if we could read that together. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. Right? It's interesting. The angel of the Lord, as we know, the pre-incarnate Christ. Right? And it's interesting because he asks a question. You know, in the garden, you see the parallel throughout this Bible story. Uh, you know, as they were hiding, as their eyes opened, they realized what they had done. They were hiding uh, in the garden. And there the Lord asks, Don't you stop, right? Where are you? Right? Or actually, it would be, um, not, Don't you stop would be where it is. I think, uh, I think it's De Donde Eres. Anyways. Side note, anyways, but the Lord asks, where are you? And the same is asking here. The Lord already knew. After all, you look at this right here in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of the water in the wilderness. And there he says to her, he he didn't even ask who she is. The angel of the Lord already knows, right? Hagar, servant of Sarai. Again, this is everything. God knows all things. Not only her name, but her vocation as a servant of Sarah. Uh, where have you come from and where are you going? He already knows, right? It's like Adam and Eve. Where are you? God already knew. He wasn't just asking a question because he didn't know. He already knew. But here uh, he was uh, clearly uh, guiding them uh, to his eventual words of, of comfort, right? See, the interesting thing here is in the midst of man's devising of a scheme or a plan or a a light bulb moment where their ingenuity would get the worst of them, as if they knew the plan or the best way. in verses uh, 9 to 11. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. So, on her way to the land of Shur, on her way to the land uh, that she was formerly from, she is uh, distressed. 
She is afflicted. And who hears her affliction? It is the Lord. And the Lord gives her the promise, right? Not from the promised seed of Abraham, of course. Not, this is not the seed of Christ. This is the line uh, that would be of the Ishmaelites. And, and we can go through their history. Um, and we can, you know, in 12 and 13, we can describe who Ishmael would be um, as one of wild temperament, as one who would always be up against so many different people. But I think at this moment, in light of all that had happened uh, with the division, with the chaos within the household, as she is running away and fleeing from, from all this, all due to man's de- devising of a plan, um, there the Lord gives her the comforting words. Uh, Submit to Sarah, right? Go back and your seed, your multitude will be great, right? Um, you will name him Ishmael. The God who hears. You know, this is the key right here, friends. Is that through all this, God, his mercy, his grace, he is there for Hagar. He is there for Abram and Sarah. He is there for you. You know, there, there are moments in life where we despair and say, Lord, you know, I don't know. I don't know, right? Or you're so... Um, in, in, and you're so uh, guilt-ridden that you say, you know, I, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough to come to church, or I don't know if God would ever want to deal with me. Uh, I'm not worthy enough. I haven't done good enough. But yet, in our affliction, it is the one true God who hears. He hears Hagar right, as she is fleeing in great terror, right, in, in great sadness and affliction. And there the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ says, you will bear a son and you will call him Ishmael. What, what familiar, what familiar, uh, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, about Jesus, right? Uh, Matthew one twenty one. you will bear a son, right? And you will name him Jesus, or he will save people from their sins. Right? God is the one who intervenes, is the one who cares, and, and the one who is gracious to Hagar, right? It is God who, who meets her out as she is fleeing in great terror and comforts her by this very promise. Then indeed her seed will be great that she should go back, right? And I think that's the key to this, is as we see the parallel to Genesis 3 in the fall, God does not just leave them there, but rather he gives them the promise of the gospel in Genesis 3. So someone ever says there's no gospel in the Old Testament, you say, wrong. There is. It's all throughout the Old Testament, and it's plainly stated to us in the first book of the Old Testament of the book of Genesis, right? It's right there. He offers and and promises comfort uh, through the gift of Christ. And here he gives the comforting words, you will bear a son and his name shall be Ishmael, God who hears. You know, God hears you. Do you know why? Because by the grace of God, as you, as you lift up and as, you're, as, you, uh, as your prayers are given to him, as he hears your prayers, you know why you know that he hears your prayers? Because you have the great intercessor in Jesus Christ. God hears your prayers because of what Jesus has done for you. 
reconciling you by his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins and giving you the assurance that when you pray and when you lift up your petitions to the Lord, there you are boldly praying because you know God hears, not because you're worthy, but because we are worthy by the Lamb who was slain for us, and that's Jesus. This is a very comforting text. Man has their plan, but yet this plan is not good. It ends not well. But there our Lord is uh, granting comfort um, and, and giving Hagar these very words of grace. So as we look at Genesis 16 today, um, and as we uh, go through the parallel of Genesis 3 in the fall, uh, we clearly see that at the end of the day, um, it is the Lord who intervenes, because this is how God operates. He operates by His grace and love and compassion for you. He does not operate when we kind of fulfill this certain level or this certain tier of worthiness. No, we're dead in our sin. We, we need to be made alive. We need to be uh, delivered and rescued. And, and here the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, is really uh, showing Hagar the comforting words in the midst of being harshly dealt with and fleeing from the house. Right? And that's that parallel. So remember, there's a lot here. You and I both are guilty of human plans, humanism, our own idolatry of trust and self, right? Our, our own ideas of, I can do this myself, my pride and arrogance. I mean, how easy we are like our own little gods, as we are ourself, our own little god. Yet, at the end of the day, uh, when the Lord hears our affliction in this life of repentance, there he gives us the comforting words of promise ultimately in Christ Jesus himself. All right. I know we're going to cut it a little short there. I know it's only 25 minutes, but um, hopefully that went well with you today. A lot of good nuggets here. A lot of good long gospel here, right? A lot of good long gospel uh, in a sense of God's grace um, and also um, God's human and in our, yeah, we're, we're so human, right? We're so human. We're so human. Uh, and, and thanks be to God uh, for his grace. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Lord, bless us in your word, and may this word dwell within us richly as, as though we do fall short. Uh, Lord, as we repent for, for all that we have sinned against you, for our humanism, for our trust in self, for our idolatry of self. Lord, uh, grant us your peace, that in Christ Jesus, indeed, we are forgiven of all of our sins. Bless us in the comforting words that you are our Lord, the one who hears our prayers and who answers them in your will and time. Grant us this faith and peace and comfort, knowing that you are with us until the end of the age. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, right, friends. Uh, thank you for joining me again here on our journey through Genesis. Join us next week as we continue on um, in chapter 16, but also uh, 17 with the covenant of circumcision. What's that about? Join us. We'll get there.
But until next time, love you all, praying for you all. This is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. God be with you because God is the one who hears you all by his grace. Have a wonderful day. Until next time, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California, 93021. God bless you. Adios. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.